Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in the last week in Advent, and it isn't quite Christmas yet, but our gospel lesson is here this morning to play spoiler for us. We have in Matthew chapter 1 the conception and birth account of Jesus Christ, the Christmas story. Only Matthew's version is not the one that is more suited to pageants and to plays and to the living nativities that we all see and love this time of year. No, that stuff is reserved for Luke's gospel, which we will hear from on Christmas Eve. In Matthew, we have a different side. One told from Joseph's perspective, and one that is, frankly, R-rated. So I think it's God's providence this morning that we don't have a whole lot of children here this morning, except for mine. We're going to have to have a lot of talks later about this message. There are some heavy themes here, but it's good for us that we consider these things before we get to Christmas because it's a reminder to us of the way that Jesus came into this world. And I'm not necessarily talking about his birth. What I'm referring to is his conception. Because to speak properly about Jesus taking on flesh for us and for our salvation, that is where it starts. That's where Jesus' embodiment as a human began, as a tiny little embryo who descended to us with no earthly father, and therefore one one who would have no means of being an heir to the throne of David. That is, unless another son of David would be his legal guardian. This long-awaited Messiah is supposed to be an heir to the Davidic line. He is supposed to be a true son of Abraham, both according to the flesh and according to true faith. And so Mary, for her part, Mary checks one of those boxes. She is a faithful, pious Jewish woman. She is descended from the line of Abraham. But we're not sure if she's in King David's line. Most scholars are going to say no on that. And only a a handful of scholars are going to say maybe. But even if she were, it would not matter. Here's why. Because kingship is passed down through the male line. If this Messiah is to be king, he's got to have a daddy who is in that kingly line. So think about that. All of this to say that God had big plans for Joseph. Big plans. God wanted to use Joseph and use his family tree, his origin story, to send forth the Savior into the world. Here's here's how you know that this account, this Christmas story, is told from the perspective of a man. You ready? In the first verse that we get in our gospel lesson, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, is what it says. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Pretty straightforward, right? No flowery language, no mention of swaddling clothes, no manger or anything else. He gets right to the point. But amid this cut and dry birth story, we have a great deal of scandal as well. Marriage customs in those days were far different than ours. There were certain laws contained in God's word that they were required to keep. For example, It was unthinkable for them to enter a a sexual relationship apart from the covenant of marriage, according to God's word. So that was in play for them, just as it was, just as it is for us Christians. But there were also these, these customs that developed from their social practices of their time. And so Joseph and Mary were legally married. 
what the Bible calls betrothed. Betrothed. To be betrothed was something far stronger than what we know as engagement today. It was akin to already having performed the wedding ceremony, to, to giving those binding vows. And then there was this waiting period, perhaps up to a year, in which the husband and wife would live apart from one another until the groom would come and take his bride from her father's house and bring her into his house. And there the marriage would be consummated. We don't know how long Joseph had to wait to bring Mary home. And we don't know a whole lot about the man, whether he was, whether he was a widower and he had children from a previous marriage. Um, we, we don't know whether he was much older than Mary, as, as, as many actually speculate. We only know from the passage of Scripture that he was a good man. He was a good man. He was the kind that you want your daughters to marry and that you want your sons to be. That kind of man. He went by the book. He waited for the day whenever he could take Mary to be with him where she belonged in his house. What wedded bliss there was going to be, right? Oh, the plans he had for them, the kinds of things that he would build for her as he is a carpenter by trade. And surely he had all those hopes and those plans that only newlyweds can have. Those hopes and those plans were quickly snuffed out in an instant when he found out that she was with child. He had a scandal on his hands, brothers and sisters. Joseph was sure that this was not his child. It was a physical impossibility with him having kept the marriage bed pure. If you're Joseph... What had gotten into your pious and faithful Jewish wife? How could this happen? Did they not pledge their love and their loyalty to one another? Did she not know the law and how this was supposed to work? See, this is the side of the Christmas story that often gets left out. The embarrassing, scandalous side, right? Just before the birth of Jesus, you have a troubled man, a righteous man who wants to be faithful to God, whose only conclusion about his wife is that she had been unfaithful. And all of his hopes and his dreams for happily ever after had quickly sl slipped through his fingers. For this righteous man, it seemed that the only solution, the only sensible approach, was to divorce her quietly, as was his right, but to do, to do it quietly so as not to hold her up to public scorn and derision. Do you have something keeping you awake at night during this season? Did you have big plans that managed to fall apart? Big life plans, goals. Are you experiencing tension in a relationship? Is there something that has happened in your life that has caused you to realize that you are not in control and it has you scrambling for peace and for order? Origin stories are all the rage in Hollywood right now. See all the movies that come out? All derivative stuff. 
A lot of origin stories. We, want to, we like those things. We want to know where it all came from, especially villains. That's, that's big business right now. For some reason, we want to know what makes a villain. But if you had to write a screenplay for your life, your origin story, what parts would you leave out? Perhaps out of embarrassment or because it's too tragic. What parts would you leave out? Those, those are the parts of your story that make you realize that you don't have your hand on the steering wheel. They're the ones that make you search for peace and for order, for redemption. And try as you might, you cannot do that yourself. For these situations, there is no self-help. There is no fixing it. There is no pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and willing yourself into order and into peace. We are not the heroes of our own stories as much as we'd like to be. We don't know whether Joseph was tossing and turning on his bed. Leave it to a man to leave out all those juicy details. But we know that he was considering all of this. He was considering the divorce the heartbreak, what people might say and think when an angel came to him in a dream. This messenger of the Lord had a message for him. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In the middle of all of this mess, this relational tension, this loss of control that Joseph was experiencing, a word was spoken to him. A word that brought two origin stories together. On one hand, there was Joseph, whom the angel called Son of David. And on the other, there was the embryo in Mary's womb, who was from the Holy Spirit. This embryo, and I emphasize that word embryo, they probably didn't have that word back then, but we're talking about a tiny speck. But this embryo in Mary's womb, the fact that it was from the Holy Spirit indicates that this was a divine person, not someone who would become divine later, not someone who would become human later. Even as a tiny speck in his mommy's belly, we have one who is fully God and fully man. A mystery worth contemplating in our culture of death. Yeah? The announcement of this word made flesh, this divine embryo to Joseph meant that God's story, his story of salvation was encroaching upon his. This was not any origin story. This was the Son of God's origin story, who existed in eternity past, according to his divinity, who would assume a human nature in time. The eternal Word of God, who was in the bosom of his Father, would come down to our world and into our story, having a beginning in the humblest of places, yet one that was chosen and made holy by God. The womb of a virgin. 
And because of this origin story, it meant that all the tragedy and the shame and the embarrassment that sin produces in this world would be wiped away because of what this embryo, this tiny little divine human came to do. Save his people from their sins as he would be conceived and born without sin and would go to the cross to pay for it. Joseph, son of David, fear not. God had chosen him to be the guardian, the foster father of his beloved son. God called him to take Mary as his wife, to take her and the child into his home and to care for them. And as he did this, the boy Jesus would become the legal heir to the throne of David, thus fulfilling what was foretold about the Messiah long ago. This was always the plan. Matthew's gospel cites our Old Testament lesson from the book of Isaiah. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. In the womb of Joseph's betrothed, God had come down to be with us, because that is what Emmanuel means, God with us. And he came to be with us and to save his people from their sins. And whenever Joseph awoke, whenever he woke up, he responded to the word of the messenger. He took Mary as his wife, but he kept her as a virgin until the birth. And Joseph gave the baby his name, Jesus. The name above every name. The only name that is given by which all men must be saved. Joseph's fears were calmed. They were allayed by God's word of promise. He was granted peace and order in his life. Not that it wouldn't be difficult, brothers and sisters, because it would. We hear about that right away. They didn't get to stay there for very long. They had a lot of danger on every side. But God's word gave him peace and order. He knew that through Mary's child, he would be incorporated into God's story of salvation, the redemption of the world. God's word through God's messenger took Joseph's story and bound it to Christ's story, the unfolding plan of redemption for all of creation. This is true of you as well. Whenever God's word is spoken to you by God's messengers, he takes your story with all of its warts, with all the parts that you want to cut out, and he incorporates it into the life of Christ, the one who would carry all of your sin and your guilt to Calvary to take away your sins and bring you redemption so that you can live a life of peace and order even though sometimes it seems to be anything but. It's sad and it's frustrating that you've had plans in your life that have fallen apart, but God has a much better plan for you. It's a plan to save you and to give you eternal life. It's tragic that you have had relationships fall apart, but God promises you that in Jesus, you have Emmanuel, God with us, who will never leave us nor forsake us. The sins that keep you awake at night and that trouble you in this life, Jesus has come to deal with those in the flesh and to destroy them forever. 
That's why he took on flesh. Was to do that for you. The eternal Son of God became killable so that your sins would be condemned in his flesh. That's what Christmas is about. This scandalous Christmas story means something scandalous for you. It means that your story is not yours anymore. You are not the star. You are not the hero of it. Your story belongs to Christ. And it's bound up with His. Ever since you were baptized, that's been the case. Joseph came to realize that, (laughs) that there wasn't really any choice for him at all, was there? The angel spoke to him. The angel told him God's word. And that was it. It was settled. It was done. This is what God had called him to. Guess what? You've been baptized into the name of Jesus. You've been assigned to his death and his resurrection. You're linked to him forever. Where you go, he goes. Wherever he goes, you go. You've been brought into this family through the word of the gospel. You have been made a son, a daughter of David, a son, a daughter of Abraham. You have been incorporated into Jesus' family through no merit or worthiness of your own, but simply because God loves you and he has chosen you in his son. As we spend this last week of preparation for our Savior's birth, Take a minute to examine your story from its origins all the way to its conclusion. Trace the thread of God's faithfulness even in the depths of your sorrow and recall from these words together, these words taken together today that it is not your story but it is God's. And everything that has happened to you has served to bring you to Him that He would save you from your sins, that He would bring you to faith in His Son, the Savior of the world, the one for whose coming we prepare and we watch. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.